Cancer, diabetes, and heart disease have all become epidemics across the board. But can all of those be reversed? And with food? We're going to find out with nutrition expert and medical doctor, who's my very special guest that will be on shortly. Here's the intro. Welcome to the Avi Unfiltered podcast. This is Avishai L, your host, holistic health coach and lifestyle expert. In this podcast, we're going to be interviewing top health experts, as well as talking to holistic healers, spiritual healers, and just helping you with everyday life. Each episode is going to be extremely fun. And as I always say, bring a green juice because it's going to be very juicy. So I'm here with six-time New York Times bestselling author and internationally recognized expert on nutrition and natural healing. He specializes in preventing and reversing disease through nutritional methods. He has written books such as Fast Food Genocide, Eat to Live, End of Diabetes, and so much more. You can see him from time to time on Dr. Oz, CPTV, and various magazine articles. He is the president of the Nutritional Research Foundation and the faculty of the Northern Arizona University. Today's guest is Dr. Joel Furman. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Thank you again for coming on the Avi Unfiltered podcast. So what ignited your passion for health? You know, I guess it was just when I was a teenager, I was reading health and nutrition books and recognizing that all the sick people around us and everybody getting heart disease and cancer recognized that it didn't have to happen. And that was like 40 years ago or 50 years ago, I recognized that. No, 50 years ago, because I'm 65, right? <laughs> so like 50 years ago, I was reading books and I recognized it had to be something different. And eventually I took the plunge and I decided to go back to medical school with a specific intent of being a physician specializing in nutrition. I knew that the way the, the, way, the barbaric way medicine had developed over the years to be drug oriented was not the right thing was not the right way so i wanted to really you and i don't consider this alternative medicine or something it's really progressive and it's it's where healthcare should be it's correct it's proper healthcare to really put, put to remove cause and to um, enable the body's self-healing mechanisms to fix itself and not just put poisonous drugs onto a weakened system Right. Now, what you said barbaric medicine, what about the medicine made you think that it was barbaric or poisonous? Can you go into a little more depth about that? Well, it was the first the first thing is just the concept that people have medical issues, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, and they whatever it is, rheumatoid arthritis, and you're taking things that we know are poisonous and increase the risk of cancer. And it doesn't make you get better. It's like hitting yourself with a hammer and you smash up your hand really bad and you go to a doctor and he gives you a drug to relieve the pain, but the next day you come back and you smash it again. The drugs don't, if the cause is the processed foods and the franken foods, if the, if the cause is environmentally and dietary, then the medications become permission slips or they be, they're enablers. The medications enable it to think that you'll just look okay while you continue to poison yourself with fried foods and sweets and other things causing disease. So the inevitable consequence is the disease advances and kills you. So we still see 40% of people in America dying of heart attacks and strokes, the same as we've seen for the last 40 or 50 years. A hundred years ago, though, was only 5%, not 40%. The cancer rates have gone up, have skyrocketed since the 1930s and 1940s. We're seeing 
tremendous, and of course, people before. As, you know, the fast food and the processed food revolution did start in the 1950s, after the World War II, most of the fast food and the fast, you know. So we're, as people's diet becomes more unnatural and more processed, we get processed people that are more likely to get these autoimmune conditions, have children with, with attention disorders, with children with cancer. You know, the mother's diet, and even the father's diet, but mostly the mother's diet, not just after, not just while she's pregnant, but even years before she conceives the baby affects the health of the children and, and increases with the childhood cancer and childhood immune disorders and autism. So that's what that we know exists. And we also know that it used to be one in a hundred Americans were mentally ill. Now it's one in five Americans are mentally ill. And the link between processed foods and depression and anger and violence and criminal behavior is also pretty solid too. You know, there's a study coming out of England that showed that people who ate more um, candy as a child um, have an increased risk of developing, being arrested for a violent crime. Wow. And, and how we have, how we're destroying children's brains. And, you know, I, I wrote a book on this. The book was called Fast Food Genocide. It's actually my latest book. And it links that, that these dietary issues and where people live and their food exposure affects their socialization, their intelligence, their education, their career, how they do economically and whether they're prone to drug abuse, criminal behavior, violence, or it's all based on food exposure and food availability. You know, and I, and I talk about obviously the link between um, that and also bigotry and racism in America and, what, and the idea, for example, that um, this idea that we learn in medical school that black Americans have higher rates of kidney failure, diabetes, prostate cancer, and these diseases is not true. And I showed that if the Civil War, when, when um, black Americans had access to vegetables, they actually had more centenarians, more long-lived, excellent health, and you see the same problems developing no matter what the color of your skin would be if you had the same exposure to junk processed foods and when you were young and, and young in life. So it's, all, so it's so much about the food, and nobody's recognizing this and how food sh shapes our opportunities in life and shapes who we become. And then we have a nation of people who are now are overweight and addicted to sugar and processed foods. And their addictions take over, take control of their life, and they live to feed their addictive um, drives, and they're no longer in control of the bank. They can't be the full person they are. They can't be caring and and, and creative, and uh, you know, and and innovative. And they lose their ability to be the best mother, the best worker, the best artist, the best whatever they want, the best athlete, whatever they want to be. They've lost their opportunities because food steals it away from them. These processed foods take over their, these drives and the cravings to overeat calories, just destroys them. So you're asking me, um, you know, why medicine is barbaric, because we doctors have participated and enabled this to happen by making people think that their diseases are primarily genetic or the process of aging and not, their, and not caused by their own behavior. And this has been occurring since the 19, since the, since the, 1800s, or you know, we've had the same thing going on. We pellagra used to be big. It was close to caused um, homicidal and suicidal and crazy behavior. And um, it, it, for 
from it took till 1915 where where it was going on for decades and decades and doctors thought it was genetic and different you know until they realized this was a niacin deficiency and we have the same thing going on today where people's where we have more violence and more and people go crazy and shoot up a nightclub and <laughs> and nobody's talking about our our food environment and how it's contributing to the to more depression in young people and how it's an explosion of these issues these problems so yes i think that um we not so that's one part of it and the other part is that we can take control of our health destiny and we have an unprecedented opportunity in human history to live longer than ever before without fear of heart attacks and cancer without dementia we can have a better and we have access to mushrooms and and scallions and and broccoli sprouts and then we could eat healthy foods that could give us incredible power to protect the body and we have these advances in nutritional science enabling us to live to be 100 and so at the same time we have this incredible opportunity to have fantastic health but we also have the opportunity and most of the population is on a path to self destruction with what they're eating at the, you know but so that's um yeah you know yeah I'm I'm glad you said that because you made the connection between the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual aspects of people and how medication affects the way people think. And I actually, I can recall being on 12 different medications for endometriosis and various illnesses that, and the side effects were suicidal thoughts and things like that. So while it was supposedly helping me, I put in quotes, it was making me not my act like not myself essentially right right yeah so what we're saying is you have a body that's toxic that's mal that's malnourished and the whole population is ubiquitously deficient in phytochemicals and antioxidants because our diet should be vegetable based and have a lot of color variety of colorful plants and while that's occurring and we're deficient then and create and deficiency creates more oxidation reactive oxygen species free radicals of course we're talking about damaging comp toxic compounds and a buildup of what's called advanced glycation end products which cause blindness and diabetics and kidney failure and nerve damage so while this is going on then we put drugs which are toxic and poisonous on top of the already toxins we're building up from our bad diet so we are accelerating the rate of destruction the rate at which we age and of course an explosion in cancer and so cancer does have to do. So a lot of medical care contributes to the cancer epidemic. Right. Now, how did you come up with the Nutritarian lifestyle? How did I come up with it? Um, well, I, you know, I've been doing this since, you know, since I was 15 years old and stuff. So I used to read all these health books and I, and I, you know, I, I, so I was always into eating natural foods and I, was read it, I read all of Dr. Herbert Shelton's works that he wrote in the 1940s and 50s for the natural hygiene movement. I was into like, and I saw a lot of people getting better. And so I was getting into the idea of weeding through the right parts that have scientific support and the wrong parts that were maybe, that had more myth associated with them that were not so proven. It was, it was taking the, the, the vision of these early visionaries and historical figures and looking at what part they had it right and then studying the nutritional science and see where the most support was and extracting and explaining it in a way as to how the body works with the so it's a, so it's the it's experience it's clinical evidence it's of course the advance in, the advance in science and nu nutritional literature it's the reviewing the epidemiologic studies and putting it together with what worked in the real world and devising a program that's most lifespan supporting and that, you know, and, and now we're talking about utilizing, clicking off, clicking 
all those boxes, checking off all the boxes that, that extend human longevity. And the foundational principle of a nutritarian diet has to do with achieving micronutrient excellence, a high level of phytochemicals and antioxidants, a broad, broad spectrum of different nutrients, and making sure all the nutrients that humans needs are present in the right amount, while you moderate caloric intake so you don't make sure you don't need excess calories in the process. And the beauty of this is that when we achieve micronutrient excellence, it makes people not want to eat as much food. They no longer become calorie-consuming monsters, and it controls, <laughs> they can control their weight effortlessly when they're eating the right foods. Right. Now, you mentioned, um, I know in your book, you mentioned not counting calories, and you mentioned, like you just said, micronutrients. What would you say to people who, have to, who always track their calories? Like, what advice would you give them? Well, whether they track their calories or not, it's not really that big of a deal. But the point is, is that it's the dietary quality that affects your long-term health. And diets of all description fail people. They lose weight, they gain it back again, which is not good for their health. And, the, and so losing weight is of no benefit unless you maintain that weight loss for the rest of your life. And who wants to be on a diet their whole life anyway? You wanna eat, you wanna, so where this is different, this is eating for excellent health, eating not to get cancer, eating so when you, when you eat a diet to be able to live to be 100 years old in great health and slow aging and have a great, then you automatically, your weight gravitates towards your ideal weight, your body becomes ripped, you become more physically active, you feel like exercising, you, you just feel great and you age slower and you're healthier and you wanna stay eating this way, your taste buds get stronger. So it's about learning how to eat to protect your long-term health and that means focusing on the quality, the nutritional quality of what you're eating, not on willy-nilly on calories because you can eat less calories of any kind of garbage. And if you cut your calories back, so you'll be cutting back on nutrients. We have to make sure we have, our diet has a high micronutrient bang per caloric buck, a high nutrient bang per caloric buck. We wanna get nutritional value out of what we're eating. And then the question comes, once we've designed a diet with the highest, with the most degree of nutritional excellence, then can you make it taste fantastic? Can it be just as enjoyable as an unhealthy diet? Can people love to eat this way? And if you can accomplish those two things, then you have what's called a no-brainer. Why not eat a great tasting diet if you're gonna not get heart attacks and strokes or cancers and dementia and be stuck in a nursing home and ruin your life? It still it becomes now, now and, and that's what I'm trying to, that's my passion and that's my message. And that's what I'm trying to be here on do the podcast like this and tell people, don't be insane. Don't commit suicide with food. You're not going to have more fun and pleasure in life. People say, oh, well, shoot me right now if I have to eat like that. I'd rather be dead than have to eat healthy. But they don't understand that they're addictive, the addictive nature of foods takes over the control of their bank and changes anxiety provoking. And they think they're not going to like it. And they like what they get used to eating. And their dopamine has been receptors in the brain have been turned down. They become dopamine sensitive. They have to use for stimulation. Look, they're looking to eat for stimulation. They're emotionally eating and they're eating to stimulate the brains. And but once you repair all those issues, people can get, can love doing this and, and enjoy and be, be the preferred, they prefer eating this way. And they would love the fact that they're intellectually and emotionally in control and satisfied and at peace because they know they're doing the right thing for their body. Exactly. So what advice would you give someone who wanted to switch over from the standard American diet to the nutritarian lifestyle? My advice would be to read, don't do anything until you read one of my books. 
because knowledge is going to, because if you have the knowledge, it's going to help you not make mistakes. You're going to be faced with a whole bunch of obstacles thrown in your path. And to do it successfully, you know, so a good basic book for somebody that's overweight is that I've written is called The End of Dieting. The End of Dieting is a good basic starter book for people who are overweight, you know. And then, you know, Fast Food Genocide is a great book with a lot of great information. But if you're really, if you're struggling with your weight and you want to know how to do this right, start with the end of dieting. And I, and I even have, um, if a person can't do it on their own, if their food addictions are so extreme, if they're so significantly overweight and they've tried it and failed, then they could come into my retreat. I have a retreat where people actually stay with me for two to three months. And I see, and they have, you know, um, psychologists who specialize in you know, food addiction, medical, my medical care, nursing staff, great chefs, teach cooking classes, a beautiful facility where people actually stay, lose 20, lose 50 pounds maybe. And like a woman, Nicole came in, she lost 50 pounds in six weeks, but then she went home and she lost 150 pounds the year she went out because we, she could have never, she's been on diets, could never have taken off that 200 pounds, yo-yoing, you know, addictive, emotional eating, but we, we, she became a new person. We give them a new outlook on life there. And it's amazing how these people, they lose their anger. They, they always see the fog lifts off the brain. They can think more clearly. They become excited about life again. And they know they can do it when they go home. And some people just, their, their home environment is just too negative for them to be able to de deal with stopping addiction, whether it's cocaine or cigarettes or alcohol or food. But, you, but what, we're, what I'm explaining here is that food is the number one addiction Food addiction is the number one addiction in America. Food addiction kills, you know, a hundred times more than any other addiction because everybody's dying of their food intake, and and it's a it's a problem we have to solve. And when we give people the right information, it works. Exactly, and I love that you mentioned your retreats because I look at it every time I say I want to go. <laughs> it looks so peaceful and inviting, and people, you okay. know, there's a lot of great testimonials. Thank you. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun because I can, you know, you know, it's it's you can imagine what my career has been like over the last 30 years. You know, a person sits across the table from me and I say to them, you know, you, you're pretty in bad shape. Your myeloperoxidase inflammation is high. Your HSCRP is really elevated. Your oxidase LDL is super high. These are indicators you're going to have a heart attack in the next year or two. You know, you really, with your blood pressure, with these inflammatory markers, this is not safe. You have to change your diet. You got to do something different. You can't wait till a problem like this occurs. And then they'll call me up, you know, six months later from a hospital and they said they had a heart attack. And they, oh, I know I should have listened to you back then, but I couldn't do it and I didn't do it. You know what I mean? So that's very frustrating when you can see people don't have the ability to save their own lives. You know what I mean? So I knew I had to have a place where people like that could go when they couldn't do it on their own. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, um, but it is, that's the frustrating part. Cause then I can put a person in there. I know if they have rheumatoid arthritis, they're gonna do what I want them to do and I can get rid of their arthritis. I can get rid of their psoriasis. I can get rid of that because, because nutritional excellence is incredibly therapeutic and efficacious for reversing disease. So what I'm saying right now is that the diet style that is the gold standard that enables people to live to be a hundred years old in good health. We can, you know, that's what I've tried to develop, this nutritarian diet, the healthiest way to eat to maximally slow aging and maximally live as long as possible. But then therapeutically, when you apply it to people's medical conditions, it enables the body to get well and to reverse their illnesses. I just had a person that's reversed their rheumatoid arthritis. You know, and I have a person there now who's getting better from her Sjogren's syndrome. I had a person who got, who got rid of her psoriasis. In other words, it, it's very, very effective 
and enables people to celebrate their recovery. Exactly. And your your books are truly amazing. Um, my mom, who she's she's been in a magazine and been in different. I think she was she worked with you on your Eat to Live cookbook. I think she came to your house and did an interview. Uh, her oh. name Felicia Felicia Ricks, but she's Sahar El. Yes. All oh, right, that's terrific. Oh, so you're, you're Felicia's daughter? I am. Oh, so great. So I, we've met, right? I Were you I, I didn't. Come? No, I didn't come. Oh, you didn't come. Okay, because my mother was at my house. She came over here for a video for a for an interview or some pictures to be taken. Yeah, that was great. Right, and she lost over 200 pounds, and then she introduced me. And when I read your Eat to Live book, just like you were talking about reversing illness, I actually reversed endometriosis after reading your Eat to Live cookbook. Wow. Yeah. See, that is all in the family. Yes. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's ama truly amazing. So I hear a lot of people, they focus on protein. And especially with a plant-based lifestyle, I get asked a lot, how much protein do you get? Are you getting enough? How much protein should a person have a day? Well, I don't think people have to know the answer to that question because um, all foods have sufficient protein. The problem is, is that um, Americans eat too much animal protein. Mm. And the studies show is that animal protein goes up in a diet so does de um, premature death, because animal protein drives a hormone called IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor one that drives growth and replication. So when we're driving growth as an adult, we're enabling cancer cells to replicate. Now, the studies also show that when you increase the plant protein in your diet, you live longer. So here's what, more animal protein, shorter lifespan, more plant protein, longer lifespan, you know. So we do need about, you know, we do need a certain amount of protein. We need about 30 grams of protein per thousand calories that we require. If you're a bigger person, you require more calories. You eat more food, you probably take in more protein. Almost any mixture of plant foods even gives you 30 grams of protein, 100 calories, 1,000 calories. It's not an issue unless you're eating mostly fruit. Right. You know, so, it would, right. you, so fruit doesn't have that. But even a banana has 4% protein. But, but all grains and nuts and beans and vegetables and greens are pretty relatively high in protein. So, so we can be a very strong and powerful athlete eating a plant-based diet. The, the real difficulty is, is how do you make a the person's diet be safe if they're eating animal products? Because those proteins drive application. They cause an acid tie in the portal flow of blood from the digestive tract. And they cause gram-negative bacteria to develop, which produce a, um, with the bacteria that grow in response to eating so much animal products, or people eating this high-protein kick, produce a compound called TMAO, or trimethylamine oxide, which causes intravascular inflammation, accelerates heart disease and dementia. So we're saying that if you, um, so if you don't want to be totally vegan or if you don't, you still need some animal products, you have to measure that. You have to measure your high protein animal products so you don't go over a certain amount of ounces per week. So you don't drive these growth promoters too high. So the really question about protein is that is the problem with too much, it's very rare to have a problem with too little. The real problem is people in taking too much animal protein. That's the most danger. And, we'll, and we, even, we want people to switch and have more plant protein, you know, whether it's beans or whether it's greens or whole grains or, you know, these foods all are really high in protein. Nuts and seeds are all, you know, high in protein. They take the place of those um, animal products and we want people to switch their animal protein and get more plant protein in their diet instead. Exactly. And I know you mentioned um, no oil in your book, because I've read your books. 
I love your books. I'll just sit and, and read them. Um, you mentioned no oil uh, in your book, and I can recall going to order some sort of vegan cupcake, and a lot of people can't make things without oil. What alternative, because I know a lot of people use oil in everything, what alternatives are there? Well, you know, that's the, that's what, that's the, how should I say, the, the hallmark of a nutritarian diet is that the fat comes from nuts and seeds, not from oil. It's walnuts, not walnut oil. It's pecans, not pecan oil. It's sesame seeds, not sesame oil. So, and so, you know, we're making a, uh, a dressing. We're using the cashew nut and the sesame seeds with a navel orange and blood orange vinegar and some lemon to make an orange dressing for the salad. So it's vinegar with the nuts as opposed to vinegar with the oil from the nuts. So we're making a, a Russian dressing, a Russian fig with, with figs and tomato sauce and sun-dried tomatoes and roasted garlic and some almonds and sunflower seeds and some balsamic vinegar or, or, or fig vinegar, making a dish a delicious red sauce or making a Thai coconut sauce with coconut and hemp seeds and lemongrass and a date and a, you know, and a little bit of turmeric and cumin. And so we're making different sauces and flavorings from the whole fat in the nuts and seeds because they're, they extend lifespan and they don't, they're digested slowly. They don't give you as many calories. And when you take an oil, it inhibits fat, it inhibits body weight loss. You can't lose weight when you're putting oil in your body. It's just, it's contrary to calories. It's absorbed very rapidly. It drives up the appetite, makes you want to eat more food. Oil is an appetite stimulator. It's 120 calories per tablespoon. And Americans are eating 300 to 400 extra calories of oil a day, which prevents them, which keeps them overweight and drives the obesity epidemic. So being, having fat on the body is particularly dangerous. And eating liquid fat is like eating liquid sugar. It's very dangerous to be consuming your sugar in the form of sugary drinks or apple juice even. You want to eat the apple, not have the juice. You want to have the pine nuts, not eat the, not eat the oil. When you put the oil in the processed form of the fat, your body, it, it has a different biological effect and it drives inflammation, and, it, and, and fat on the body is pro-inflammatory tissue. It secretes lipokines and cytokines that produce inflammation. It's, it's hypoxic tissue with not a good blood supply. It drives aromatase production. In other words, aromatase drives estrogen in the body. You produce higher levels of estrogen. You could have 10 times the levels of estrogen stimulation of breast tissue, increasing risk of breast cancer. And of course, we're driving angiogenesis, which allows cancers to replicate. What I'm saying right now is that oil, like olive oil, causes cancer. I'm saying people, olive oil drives breast cancer because olive oil drives people to be overweight, and overweight drives cancer. If they took the olive oil out, they wouldn't be overweight, and then they wouldn't get cancer. So what I'm saying is these oils are um, weight-promoting, fat-promoting, and they inhibit people losing weight on, when they try to improve their diet. And that's why they, and then being overweight is very exceedingly dangerous. There's no such thing as an overweight, healthy person. When you have fat on your body, you're higher risk. That's true. People say, my cholesterol's good. I'm not diabetic. My doctor said I'm in good health, but I'm 40 pounds overweight. There's no such thing as, it doesn't mean you're in good health. You're at a higher risk of having a zillion things go wrong with you when you're carrying that extra fat on your body, but mostly a higher risk of cancer. That's true. And fat also holds toxins, right? That's right. Fat is a toxic depot, but it produces toxins. Your body has a whole bunch of extra free radicals being, being coming out of the fat supply because it's not tissue that gets felt well perfused with oxygen. Right. Now, you mentioned, um, I saw in one of your lectures that water was a macronutrient. 
Can you go into that? Because I thought it was very interesting, that concept. Because a lot of people think, you know, fat, carbs, and protein is like sweet potato, broccoli, a piece of meat. But you said water was a macronutrient. Well, broccoli is very high in protein. So were you, were you just giving broccoli as an example of a protein? The was, broccoli, is, uh, broccoli is high in protein. Yeah. yeah. All right. But anyway, yeah, um, th the word macro means large. And these are the four nutrients we need in larger quantities. The micronutrients don't have calories. The things we need in smaller quantities, like vitamins and minerals. And the four macronutrients are fat, carbohydrate, protein, and water. When I speak usually and explain about how it works, I usually take water out of the equation because I'm talking about the fact that the three calorie-containing micronutrients and excesses of those fat, excess fat, excess protein, excess carbohydrate, how that's going to be damaging to our health and that we want to eat somewhat less calories because the less we eat, the slower we're aging. But in any case, yes, we need a certain amount of water, but if we eat a healthy diet, we get a lot of water content in our food as well, and we're not salting our diet, we don't need as much water either. So but we're definitely we have a, a high need relatively for water in our body. So how much water should you have a day? I know you, you didn't give a specific amount, but round about how much water would you say? Well, each person is different. What climate are they living in? How big are they? How much exercise are they doing? How much are they sweating? Are they sitting down behind a computer in an air-conditioned office? Are they outdoors in the sun working with a pick and shovel? You know, they could, it could, the differences could be tenfold the amount of water people need. But basically, if you're not doing much exercise and you're eating a healthy diet, you're getting a vegetable bean soup, you're getting a salad with tomatoes, you're getting vegetable, you're getting an orange or melon, you're getting blueberries, you're getting a lot of water in your diet, so you probably don't need more a healthy, a really healthy diet doesn't require probably more than two or three glasses of water a day, whereas a person eating an American diet might need eight to 10 glasses a day. So your water needs are, are at least doubled when you're not eating healthy, maybe tripled. You know what I mean? Because you're getting so much water from the food and you're not having the extra salt that's driving the high water intake. Right. I actually, I remember um, years ago going to a training place and they told me to eat like six meals a day and to drink a gallon of water like how much should you be eating a day how many meals should you have a day oh it's, it varies on the individual but usually two to three meals a day the only people that should be eating four meals a day or more are professional athletes who, who don't want to eat so much at one meal because they can't fit it in and they're requiring four thousand calories because they're putting in six hours of hard labor and hard training every day you know, um, but other than that, most people, three meals a day is plenty of food. And for some women in particular who are, are smaller people, two meals a day is plenty for them. Sometimes three meals a day is too much food for some people. So, it, but basically most people about to be eating three meals a day and not snacking. Snacking has been pretty much demonstrated to be in called increased eating occasions lead to an overall consuming more calories at the end of the day. The more frequently you eat, the more likely you're going to consume more calories at the end of the day and overshoot your caloric needs. Right. Now, you mentioned snacking. Does snacking create what you call toxic hunger? Could you explain toxic hunger? Yes. Snacking doesn't create toxic hunger. Toxic hunger creates the need for snacking. So when your body, when you're not eating healthy enough, you build up more toxic metabolites. And when you're no longer digesting food and you're in the catabolic phase when food when digestion has ceased, that's when the body heals and repairs the most in the non-digestive state. So people start, the minute they stop digesting food, they start to feel shaky and weak and fatigued. And they think it's hunger or they feel stomach cramping or headaches. They don't feel well. It's detox. It's not hunger. And they wouldn't have felt that detox if they were eating healthfully. They're detoxing because their diet's not good enough. 
But then, so their diet's not good enough and they don't feel well unless they overeat calories because they gotta keep digesting food all day just to keep their energy up. But they're using food as a stimulant. They think that, that, that they need food for all to maintain their energy and that's why they're overweight because they can't, they don't feel good when they're not digesting. If you're eating a healthy diet, you don't have to eat all the time. You don't feel like eating. You could just, and, and then when you get to a point where you have a biological need for calories, when your glycogen stores are gone, then you get true hunger, which is felt in the neck and throat. And it makes food taste great. And it, is, and it makes, you know, and taste enhancement is part of the definition of real hunger. And you really don't give a little kid a toddler, a two-year-old or a one-year-old in food, and they'll push it away when they're not hungry. You know, we, if they're given whole natural foods, like, you know, like, like string beans and broccoli and, you know, and almonds and pineapple, they'll eat the right amount. We can make, we can train them to overeat by giving them ice cream and junk food and processed foods and frank and American, you know, food, foods designed to enhance the appetite by food scientists, then we can discombobulate their food appetite driver and we can make the kid become obese. Right. You know, we do with any animal. You take an animal and you feed them their natural diet, whatever they eat, would eat naturally in their environment, and they would eat the right amount of food and not become overweight. But you give them French fries and donuts and, and you know, and burgers or hot dogs. You give them something that's, you know, that's cookies. You give them something that's not a natural food, and they'll overconsume it and become overweight, and they'll have no longer have the right kind of appetite. So you, you completely turns this person into a calorie-consuming monster addicted to these franken foods, just like and to test with any animals. And then the animal will stop eating its natural diet. The string beans and the broccoli and the pineapple no longer become attractive. They just want these processed foods, and the animal won't even touch healthy food anymore. And they'll, you know, it's just like you give a bird. There was a test on on birds that would peck this button when they got cocaine, and they stopped taking food. They could pick the button for food, they can peck the button for water, and they can peck the button for cocaine. They'd only hit the cocaine button because it was most stimulating. And they would, the last thing they do before they dropped dead of starvation was kick the cocaine button one more time. It's the same thing. We have a population eating processed foods, eating junk food. And they can't stop hitting the cocaine button because they don't want—they don't know they, that they're killing themselves. They need to eat the the healthy food. They don't—they the body just tells them to go for stimulation because dopamine stimulation of the brain is more powerful than the desire for for nutrients. Exactly. What what would you say to someone that says, "Oh, everything in moderation," like M and M's or um, I don't know, Dunkin' Donuts in moderation? Well, when you take addictive substances in moderation. It, they, they're cumulative and they destructive to people's health. Okay, so it's hard to smoke cigarettes in moderation. Most people don't smoke cigarettes, one or two cigarettes a week. You know, most people, when they start using one or two cigarettes a week, it leads to more consumption of cigarettes. Most people don't snort cocaine in moderation. They actually start using too much cocaine. Not that any amount is okay, but, but for that matter, you know, what amount of alcohol is okay? Well, it's still carcinogenic in any amount. It's worse as you go up. What amount of white sugar or white bread is okay? It's still affecting your brain function and shortening your lifespan to the degree that you eat. And the more you eat, the more harm you get. But the problem is the more you eat, the more you want to eat it, the more you're craving it, the more you have trouble giving it up. Well, what, what makes you no longer want it is abstinence. You stop having that food. You don't want it anymore. And you could eat the whole, the healthy whole grains and things. Right. So, right. Uh, so I'm more of a person who's advocating people do this with a degree of excellence. It's easier not to have your um, a foot in both worlds where you keep being pulled back and sucked back to want to eat unhealthy substances. And you're always under stress trying to decide should you eat healthy or should you not. When you make a full commitment 
to do this 100%, it becomes easier, no stressful, and then the miracle happens. You know, you always say the money's in the last 5%. You know what that means? That means you do something 90, 95%, you could be really good, a good tennis player, a good singer, a good runner, you know, a good um, physicist, a good engineer, but if you wanna be the best at what you do, if you wanna really be a world-class leader, and you want to be a professional athlete or a successful, then you got to do it all the way, 100%. You got to go all the way for it, and not just 95%. The money's, I mean, in other words, when you do it, that when you put that last 5%, look, you're already putting 95% into it. You might as well go all the last 5%, because when the last 5% is put in there, you get 100, you get maybe 10 times the benefits. You know, not just 5% more benefit, you get 10 times the benefits. Agreed. Consistency is definitely important. So I wanted to actually hear more about now for your retreats. Do you actually do you work with cancer patients? Like, can, is this or is this just for emotional health, um, changing over your diet, losing weight? No, I do. I, I work with all. I work with people who are overweight, who have high blood pressure and diabetes and heart disease. I work with people who are normal weight, who are who may have an autoimmune condition, even asthma or psoriasis or arthritis to get rid of those diseases, just to get well from diseases. And then, of course, I work with people who have cancers that want to be on an optimal nutritional program to prevent cancer reoccurrence or to, or to try to make, um, make facilitate a recovery from early stage prostate cancer or breast cancer or something like that. So yes, I have all, so we have all these different protocols and the facts and the reality is, is I'm there seeing the patient and when they first come in and I develop what they're going to be doing. If they have cancer, they might be drinking a glass of green juice every morning. So I devised the program for the personal's condition. So every person coming in is seeing me as their as a doctor visit. And then they have then I have my chefs and the nurse follows through and makes sure that they get the food made for the exactly for the what was I prescribed for them. You follow me? Yes. Yeah. That sounds good. I have a green try to have a green juice every single day. I actually um I actually was recently diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia and mast cell leukemia. So, and it's because of you that I know how to reverse it, you know, holistically. So that's why I asked if you, if your retreat helped cancer patients. Yes, obviously we want to, you know, make, facilitate those individuals knowing exactly what to do, exactly how to make the food, exactly how to make the juices, exactly what to do and to get them on their way so they can do this on their own. You know? Right. It's very, very helpful for people to actually have it done for you and then to work with the chefs to learn how to do it so that it's so hard to be left on your own, especially when you're dealing with something like that. Yeah, it's true. Very true. Yeah. And, and I saw that you had a uh, anti-cancer protocol July 23rd through 24th happening. Can you tell us more about that? That's, yeah, that's a, a conference that I'm running through the internet that people can join through our website where I'm giving... Um, going through the anti-cancer protocol, all the things people should do to pre prevent cancer, but also if they have a cancer, how they can do to maximize their lifespan, prevent recurrence, and do all those little things that are gonna help them make a recovery if possible. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm doing that over Zoom so people don't have to go anywhere or travel. They can do it right in their living room. They could tune into Zoom and it's gonna be on those evenings and, we can, and they're gonna answer their questions and communicate with this group of people, a small group of people that join that conference on you know, the end of July. That's awesome. So it's an intimate setting where people can, you know, ask you questions and, you know, they have a doctor right there that's available to help them. So where can people find not you? Doc oh, go ahead. Doctor, me. Huh? I'm making a joke. I'm saying not a doctor, me. I play a doctor on television. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> certainly not any doctors isn't going to be able to give them information like this. It's true. It's true. And that, I appreciate everything you do. You know, I, I, I even require even on your website, your website, you could become a member and there's, you know, doctors where you can ask, you know, certain questions, which right, I think right. is it's amazing. Right. It's what's really neat is people all over the world are become members of the website so they can have myself and Dr. Benson and, and they can they can ask questions. They can follow us and we can, they can help guide them in the right direction. You know, exactly. And where can people find you and join and Well, my website is drferman.com, D R. Uh, obviously, doctor from with no dot, D R F U H R M A N dot com. Yes, and yes. your so, your social media. Where can I don't people? Know. <laughs> oh, it's, I... your Instagram, Facebook. Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they are, but they're there. They're easy to find. They're there. It's Doctor Furman. I'll actually put it in the show notes when I post this. So, a cup. A uh, closing question: What advice would you give? to the general population as to how to become a healthy success or successful in health? Well, I, I guess the place to start for a person not knowing about this, I want them to read and be very highly motivated and sign, know how this works scientifically. But the place to start is to change their lunch, is to eat a healthy lunch, have a big salad for lunch with a healthy dressing, one of my nut-based dressings, and a bowl of vegetable bean soup and a piece of fruit. Lunch is the most important meal of the day. You're out of the house. If you eat a big, hearty, wholesome, vegetable-based lunch, you're, it's like half, your, half the battle's over right there. We could reduce healthcare costs probably by 50% if people had a big chopped salad with all the healthy things in it for lunch, a nice bowl of vegetable bean soup with mushrooms and onions, and a piece of and a fruit, fruit for dessert. So that's the place to start. Awesome. And his his nut dressings are delicious, as well as his vegetable bean soup recipes. I've had them. And he also has a delicious, healthy chocolate cake. I have a birthday coming up, so I might make his chocolate cake. <laughs> the recipes, yeah. We, we developed a lot of great recipes. And, and also with the, like, 1,500 recipes we have on the website, people rate them and put how many stars on them. So you can see the ones that people like the best, you know? Right. That's awesome. Yes. Go peruse his website. You can literally be there all day. It's jam packed with a bunch of information as well as his books, his dressings. And yes, Dr. Furman, I'd love for you to come back on the show when I do season two. Um, Sounds good. Yes. Look forward to it. Yes. And I, I well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, but go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I'm saying great that we that you had the podcast. Now that I, especially now that I know you that you're Felicia's daughter, I'm excited to do this with you. And also, um, um, have a great year. And I'm wishing you, of course, and all your listeners, great health and much happiness. Yes, same to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was such an amazing, fun, informative information beyond informational packed interview with Dr. Furman, who is an amazing person, is really, really very compassionate about people's health and wellness and overall well-being, the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. I truly appreciate him for coming on the Avi Unfiltered podcast and cannot wait for him to be back for season two. I'd love for all of you to subscribe, write a review, share this. It could change millions of lives repost it uh, with that subscribe share review repost whatever you want to do on social media 
you can enter into the holistic health giveaway and toxic free beauty giveaway. I'm giving away free holistic health session, free self-help eBooks. So you can empower yourself as we were talking about reversing illness. And that's over on my website. If you want to peruse that www.avishyl.com, that will be given away for free to three winners. So make sure you do that. And I hope you have an unfiltered day and I will see you next week.